Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Hello, Sean. Back at it. Indeed, we are with more curling action going on over in Beijing, the National Aquatic Center. The four person events are going to kick off on Wednesday, Tuesday night, I think, here in North America, uh, but Wednesday for the four person events. There in Beijing and Scott, uh, 20 of the world's best teams are going to be competing for the medals. And this should be a lot of fun, even if it's going to be a couple of days too long. Yeah, this is going to feel like forever because <laughs> you got the men's and women's competitions going at the same time. So you can only play at most two draws a day. And you've got 10 teams. So two people are going to be on by or two teams are going to be on by. Yeah, it's going to take a long time. It's going to feel very slow. And this happened last time in in 2018 too, where we watched the mixed doubles competition. And then when we started watching the four person, I was like, man, these games take forever. And they're so long, like so slow, so long. So yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, a a different experience than uh, mixed doubles, but uh, I'm excited anyway yeah i think it'll still be fun but whereas the mixed doubles took seven days this is going to take 12 i think so yeah Yeah. uh and we love curling and this is like the pinnacle (laughs) of the sport but it doesn't need to be this long it really doesn't Uh, really doesn't no put in a fifth sheet potentially you could do four draws a day Right, Mm -hmm. two men's draws, two women's draws a day. Start at eight thirty local. You squeeze it, and you can do it, but uh, they don't want to. No, and uh, yeah, yeah, five five games at a time would be hard to follow, and and just tough because all of these games are broadcast. Yeah, so it looks it does look bad on TV too. Five sheets. Yeah, yeah, and so it's you know it's that much more work for the camera crews and the producers and directors and everything. So I understand keeping it at four, but oof, yeah, it is a long, <laughs> really long is. week. Long it really week. is. But that gives, you know, it gives you a chance to, when you're down and you think you're going to miss the playoffs, go on a nice long walk and contemplate the world and come back and win a gold medal. So it's not all just that, that easy. That's all you got to do. So yeah. uh, we're going to go through, talk about all 20 teams who will be competing, talking about some of their strengths, some of their weaknesses. Scott, let us start on the women's side of the ledger. And I'm going to go through in the order in which I've written the teams down, which is not coincidentally the order in which I would rank the teams going in to this particular event. So, ah, so not random order. No, no. And I'm going to start with who I think the favorite is. And that is team Sweden, the defending gold medalist, Anna Hasselberg, 
comes into this event. She is 29 and 16 on the season. She won the national, which I had completely forgotten, uh, beating Tracy Fleury in the final there. Sylvana Terenzoni in the semifinal. Silver medal at the European Championship in the fall. Of course, Eve Muirhead won that. All time against the teams in the field, Scott. She is 81 and 73. 22-24 against Sylvana Terenzoni. 18 and 18 against Eve Muirhead. I would say the strength of this team is that I don't think there's pressure on them. They're the defending champs. They've had a very consistent quad. They've won everything they need to except for a world championship. I think they're coming into this thinking, let's just go play. And so I, I have that as one of their strengths and up and down the lineup that there's not really a weak member of this team anywhere, which you would expect that there's going to be few weaknesses across any of these teams. But I, I think they're just coming in loose and ready to play. And, and you got a guy on your bench in Wayne Mada, who uh, is, I don't know if there's anybody looser in the sport or, or who can keep it looser uh, than Wayne Mada. I just, I like this team. Yeah. Like, like you say, Sean, what's not to like, and you're right. They're probably the loosest team going in defending champs. They've done it before. They know what it's all about. Uh, and, and they're, strong top to bottom like you say uh every one of the players on this team uh is world class at their position so yeah uh definitely one of the favorites one of the stories that we were we were tracking would have been uh Sophia Maberg's testing positive for covid yep but uh it seems like it is been rectified yeah she's out of whatever quarantine protocols necessary yeah. protocols she got the negative test required so it looks like she'll play yeah so you know that could have been a little wrinkle for this team but uh looks like it should be okay and uh you're right i i think the they have to be the favorites going in um based on you know taking everything into account uh, sweden's got to be the favorites yeah. So in terms of a weakness for this team, as I said, I don't think there really is one. If I could try to pinpoint something, I actually have a lot of question marks after the weaknesses I've written down for each of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this one is the softer stuff. Like if I'm going into a, an 11th end, say, and I don't have the hammer, I think I want Anna Hasselberg to draw. And I think I want to force them as a team into more of the, the softer stuff, the back house back line stuff whereas they're so good throwing the up weight peeling doubles i think that's where you might get them here and there but other than that it's it's hard to find a soft spot yeah it's it, going to be really important if you want to beat them to not let them get a big lead right yeah. stick around because once they get a big lead yeah it, it's pretty much game over the way they can hit yeah, they can run away and hide from you over the course of a game. So don't let them do that. Uh, all right, next up, Scott, the defending world champions, Savannah Terenzoni and Switzerland, 24 and 10 on the year. They have not won an event. They went 6 and 3 back at the European Championships. Uh, their peripherals are really good 63% force efficiency, 27% steel efficiency. So very good on the defensive side of the ledger. 82 and 77 against teams in the field all time. That includes, though, a rather surprising to me, 6 and 22 against Jennifer Jones. Now that includes all those games that Sylvana Terenzoni played against 
Jennifer Jones pre Alina Pats, but even since the Alina mm-hmm. Pats edition, Jennifer Jones does have the edge on Sylvana Terenzoni. A little surprising there. So Scott, I would say the strength up and down the lineup there, like with Sweden, they're very good. They shot 87% as a team at the 2021 World Women's Curling Championship. So just like Sweden, not really a soft spot here. Not really, no. And when Alina Pats has her draw weight locked in, uh, it's deadly, deadly for this team. Sylvana has had a lot of success shifting to the third position uh, throwing, but calling the game. So, you know, not having the pressure of the last shot has really elevated her and her uh, shot making abilities. Uh, The rest of the team, super solid. If I'm looking for a weakness, maybe, maybe I would say Sylvana's decision making sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We saw them, they played in the Euros and did not do that well. Uh, this year a bit of a surprise i i do think this team is maybe i'm spoiling my picks but i do think they're going to win uh this gold medal i think they're well positioned a bit flying under the radar they're yeah they're really good i I had their weakness the emotions maybe of savannah tiranzoni we've seen it a couple of those world championship finals the one in 2020 i think is the one that or no there wasn't a one in 2020 in 2019 i guess where she was upset and banged her broom and was was visibly upset late in that game. And Elena Pats gave her that look of like, knock it off. I'm going to make the shot. Like, yeah. don't even worry about it, right? So, and when that's the person who's calling the game, that could potentially be an issue. Uh, but who knows? That's another one I have a question mark after. I'm like, emotions? Uh, they're, they're really good. Yeah. Yeah. But, sure. Scott, it's not a world championship. And the Swiss women kind of show up and win world championships. <laughs> Can they make that transition to winning Olympics as well? Well, it's kind of a de facto world championship for this year, but uh, I think they'll be okay. All right. Next up, I'm going to put Canada and Jennifer Jones on the list. 32 and 15 on the season. Best result other than the Olympic trials was losing the Masters final in that Grand Slam. A sparkling 88 and 43 record all time against teams in this field. 28 14 against Eve Muirhead, but she was only one in five against Alina Kovaleva. The strength of this team, Scott, I think is the experience. The three members who won in 2014 are back, of course, in Don McEwen, Caitlin Laws, and Jennifer Jones. Jocelyn Peterman, the new addition, who this will be her Olympic debut. And also in the strengths, I still believe that Caitlin Laws is the best all-around player in the world. She only had two games at the trials under 80%. She was a plus three on the course of the week. Don McEwen was the best lead, throwing 91% at the Canadian Olympic trials. So I think that experience is going to hold them in good stead over the course of the week. And for as good as a lot of those women are in the field, I would say Canada has the best player at two of the four positions. The other being lead? Yes, lead in third. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, experience is easily their their uh, biggest strength. Uh, we talk a lot about skips sort of coming into their own in their thirties. Uh, Jennifer Jones has seen everything. She's won more world championships or Canadian championships than you can uh, count on one hand because it's literally six, I think. And so all of that, those years of experience. You know, the transition to the the new style of play 
she was leading that, you know, back in the late aughts. So you're not going to get anything past her. Where they might have a bit of a weakness is that she's older than almost every other player, right? And the Olympics is a grind. We talked about how long this is going to be. The sort of separation from family might prove a bit tough. Like you say, she's done it before, but this is eight years later. So, And that was a different event, too. That was a shorter event. It wasn't the same. And I I think one of the challenges that you're going to find this year for all the teams, this is not just going to be Jennifer Jones and Team Canada, is that in other years, when you have a day off or had a day off, and all these teams or most of these teams will have a full day off at some point over the course of the event, you can go to another event. Oh, let's go watch Mm -hmm. the speed skating today or or whatever. Go watch one of the hockey games. I don't know if they're letting them do that in the same way. Right? The freedom of movement is a lot more restricted at this particular event than at other Olympics. Uh, and in other Olympics, you might have your family there to hang out with and relax for, for the time off. So filling those hours in between games is going to be important. They're letting them go to the curling venue, but okay, like great. Uh, that's why you have a fifth and a coach just to go and chart rocks see changes in ice when you're not playing. So that that mm-hmm. could potentially be an issue. The other thing that might scare you if you really want this team to do well is the inconsistency that we saw from Jennifer Jones herself at the Canadian Olympic curling trials. Got off like a house on fire. First four games, she shot 99, 80, 74, 89, and was plus three in those four games. The back four games, she was 53, 73, 68, 71, and minus three in those games and uh, mm. they lost three of those games uh, rebounded in the, in the playoffs. I think the final percentage that she got a little generous from the scores, but you can't have that dip. You can't have a four game dip where your skip is, is getting minus three minuses in four games. You're not going to be able to recover from that. This field is too good. Yeah. This field is too good uh, to, to be able to weather that. And the field at the trials was, was very good too, but this, this field's a step up. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, let's go to the fourth team on the list. Great Britain team, Eve Muirhead, a sparkling 32-5 and five on the season. They, Scott, are crushing people. Uh, 8.2, 8.92 points per game, giving up only 4.88 points per game. They are under 500 against teams in the field at 78 and 88, but their force efficiency at 71% this year and 36% steal efficiency they are doing very very well defensively the strength of this team i have is that eve muirhead is in fu mode uh, crushed through the euros went through the olympic qualification event and if eve muirhead can continue to play the way that we saw in the fall they will be on the podium big time they'll be on the podium there that's the the advantage i was going to say too sean eve, eve muirhead fu mode and looking at their scores all fall outstanding i'm looking on uh ken palms double takeout.com right now versus the top 10 teams in his rankings nine and three so far this year 13 and four versus the top uh top 25 so they're beating the teams that are in this field that they're gonna see uh you know they they beat alina kovaleva they beat anna hasselberg they beat sylvana terenzoni they can beat anyone yeah. have beaten anyone and to be honest uh, 
the way that they played to get into this Olympics, they had to play through the qualification event. By the last few games, it frankly wasn't even close. So <laughs> no, no, they were head and shoulders above everybody else. Just a great, great game. Yeah, uh, great games played. So I, I'm a little surprised you you haven't put this team ahead of Jennifer Jones. But well, here's uh, the weakness, I get though, it. Scott. Here, here's how I, with the weakness, and here's why I did that is we're not always going to be sure. And in, in every major event we go into is even your head's health is her leg is her hip. Is she going to be a hundred percent and is she going to make it through the course of a week and that uncertainty. And, and so far it hasn't been an issue this year, obviously, but that question is always going to be there. So that's why I have that as number four, but yeah, you want to switch them with Canada. I'm fine with that. I think the top two are pretty clear in Sweden and Switzerland. But if you want to have them at three going in, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, I I think so too. And on the double takeout rankings, Eve Muirhead, I think is, yeah, she's fourth. Tiranzoni is ahead of her. uh, And Hasselberg is just behind her, like just, just behind her. So yeah, this team, they're going to be fun to watch if they're playing well. Yeah, no question. Another team that's a lot of fun to watch when they're playing well, Team Japan and Suzuki Ujisawa, 28 and 12 on the season. They, of course, qualified through the Japan Olympic qualification. It was a best of five series against Team Yoshimura, and they were down 0-2 in that series, came roaring back to win the final three games to get that Olympic spot. They missed the playoffs at the Masters and at the national, the two grand slams they played in, they did win an event in red deer. They did not play in the Pacific Asia curling championship. That was team Yoshimura who participated there against other teams in the field. They are 42 and 60, a little underwhelming there. And the strength of this team, Scott, I think is that they have all the shots. They're not quite as consistent as the top teams, but they can throw all the shots and they're coming in. I think a little under the radar, and I don't know if anyone's really looking at them as a major metal threat. Maybe that'll help them over the course of the week. Yeah, it could do. And I would say the strength of this team, in addition to what you said, Sean, is that they seem like they're having the most fun of any team out there, which yeah. to the outside viewer, and we're going to have a lot of first time curling viewers uh, at this Olympics, is that they're going to be crowd favorites, right? No crowd there per se, but I think they're going to get a lot of positive reinforcement from social media and people watching the games. And so, you know, if they get those good vibes, start feeling it like like you said, they can make all the shots. So sort of ride that wave. Yeah, I think the weakness or one of the weaknesses, again, with the question mark that I've written down here, I don't know if their front end is as good uh, sweeping wise as some of the other teams. And they they don't quite have the same power, certainly as Sweden and Switzerland. Uh, they don't have that mm-hmm. same strength in the front end. So you can lose some shots here and there. And when you need to be as precise as you're going to need to be in this field, that could be an issue, a bit of a sweeping deficit potentially relative to the other teams. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair to say. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know how to refute that. So uh, there you go. All right, uh, let's move on to a team with no country. It's got uh, Alina Kovaleva from a place that we don't know. She's from parts unknown, of course. Uh, she from is the rock. <laughs> she is uh, 23 and 12 
on the season. Has not played in a major event since the Euros, where she finished fourth, losing that bronze medal game to Daniela Jensch. Against other teams in the field, 33 and 23. That includes four and six against Sweden, two and eight against Switzerland. Scott, the strength of this team is that they can throw the high hard one with great accuracy. At the 2021 World Curling Championship, there as a team, they were 77% on runbacks, 75% on double takeouts, and that includes 86% for Galina Arsenkina, the second. So 86% for her on those big high weight shots. That is an incredibly high percentage or not maybe not incredibly that's a very high percentage higher than average Mm -hmm. on those very difficult shots and especially if you have galena there that is a great tool for you and that's a big reason why they had so much success in the bubble last year oh absolutely uh a really strong team they're capable of making all the shots i would say that their weakness sean is their inconsistency not showing up in every every event they're six and seven against other teams uh, in the top 10 this year, 10 and 10 against teams in the top 25. So they're, they're good enough to win for sure. And if we see them on the podium, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked, but it's putting it all together for a full week. That's still the question mark in my mind. I think that's, I think that's totally fair. The other question that I would have is their draws as a team. They were, 4% 4% worse on draws and under 80% on draws for the week back in the bubble. So again, that's a team that you want to make them throw a draw late in the game, a pressure draw. Can they control it? Can they, you know, manage the stone down the ice again, 78% is good. I mean, it's better than I will do on an average night, but it's uh, if you're looking for a place to attack a team, that's where you're going to try to attack them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, next up, let's go to the defending silver medalist, Eun Jung Kim from South Korea. They are 43-16 and 16 on the season. They won the Savile event in Edmonton in the fall, lost the final of the Pacific Asia Curling Championship, and came through that last chance qualifier, beating Latvia to earn their spot in the Olympics. 40-46 and 46 against teams in the field, including 10-4 and 4 against Eve Muirhead. Scott... Their strength is that they'll have rocks in play and they can score multiples. In the Pacific Asia Curling Championship, they had 20 scores of multiples in only eight games. So two and a half per game. That's pretty doggone good, I would say. And if you can put up points in bunches like that, you are going to win a lot of games. Yeah. They're also, Sean, they they have that Olympic experience from the last one, right? Where they're... Uh, they're going to feel comfortable and and try to put points on the board in bunches. Like you say, they can do it. My question would be, have they kicked off the rust from uh, that extended period of time off? What do you think? I'm not sure. And the other question I would have is, have they improved from 2018? Because the field is better in 2022 than it was in 2018. So yes, they got that silver medal. They had that great week. But have they improved? Has their game gone up? that next level and part of the reason why we haven't seen as much of them is one the way korean curling works as to who Mm -hmm. represents korea and all these events and it is the national champion and the other is of course the unfortunate situation with their relationship with the federation and the uh, systemic problems that existed in korean curling so you just don't know that there's that gap there. I would encourage everybody to go listen to Rocks Across the Pond. They had a, a full episode 
on this topic recently going into the Olympics and, and where they stand in Korean curling. But it's just a great unknown with this team. And and they're funzing. They're, they're great to watch. You wish all the best for them. Uh, but you just going into it, you just like, what do we have here? It's it's still it's still unknown. Yeah. Unknown is is a good way of putting it. All right. Let's go south to our neighbors, the United States of America, represented by Tabitha Peterson, 32 and seven on the season. They are crushing people, scoring nine point six points per game, only giving up five point seven per game. Won the autumn gold curling championship beat Sataki Fujisawa in the final there only 10 and 15 against teams in this field. So not great there. Scott, the question is for this team or the strength of this team, I would say is that they are rolling since they made that change where Nina Roth goes to third Tabitha Peterson goes to skip position. They really have been rolling quite along. They weren't really threatened during the Olympic qualifier for the United States. They won the bronze medal at the Worlds back in the bubble. This team is just, Nina Roth went on maternity leave. They started to roll. She came back. They rolled even even more, sort of like a, a snowball effect, uh, the strength of this team. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. And can they just continue to parlay that into success in Beijing? Yeah, I think a lot of, the, a lot of what the perception of this team is, is that, oh, well, the American women haven't been very good at the Olympics. And oh, Nina Roth went last time and, and had a bad week. But this this team, like you say, since they've made that change, uh, they're putting points on the board. They're they're crushing people, and making it look relatively easy. I think uh, the bronze medal at the Worlds you mentioned it was them announcing like, "Hey, we're legit," and they should be a, a podium threat. Uh, they should be viewed as a podium threat by everybody in the field, right? You mentioned the this field is stronger than 2018 and i think tabitha peterson now skipping is a big part of that yeah i think so and and the weakness though I, as you say for this team i have is how much is that history of the lack of success in the olympics does that follow them and mm-hmm. will that play a factor or who, i don't know i also wonder there's a bigger spotlight on curling now in the united states than there was four years ago because of John yep. Schuster, does that impact any internal pressure that this team feels? I hope not for them. I hope they can just go in and play loose and relax the way they've been playing the past couple of years. Because uh, if they're in the mix, it's more fun, I think. Yeah, and and I think uh, probably an advantage for Becca Hamilton to not be coming off the uh, mixed doubles for this team. So they, they can truly, the four of them together, be focused on uh, the women's event uh, heading in. I think that's... Uh, setting them up a little better than they have been before. All right, let's move on to Denmark and Madeline Dupont making her third appearance at the Olympic Games. She went one and nine back in 2018. She's 16 and 11 on the season, won the Masters event in Basel. Nice win for her there. Two and seven in the Euros, which forced her to go to the world qualifying event where she did earn a spot there i think the strength of this team scott is the experience they have nothing to lose like i said one in nine in 2018 but oh what a one a very memorable win that she had at the olympics there in south korea Uh, they'll just play free and easy and have a good time and for as much as they are not as going into this really a metal threat they can trip you up 
And you can't go into the game thinking, oh, this is a win for us because they're good enough to keep it close, to give themselves potentially a chance late in the game. And yes, as we saw in 2018, that mattered in a, in that particular case. So mm-hmm. probably not going to be a playoff threat, but also don't take them lightly. Yeah, don't don't take them lightly. But you're right. They're they're not in the class of uh, the other teams that we've talked about so far. A lot of experience. I, is this is this Madeline's fourth Olympics now? Third. Were, were they there in 2014? No, she wasn't. Okay, she was there in 2010 for sure. Yes, because my friend Dave met met her and her sister <laughs> downtown <laughs> Vancouver. So you know, like that that's a lot of experience. That's really good, but. Yeah, I, I don't think... I think if the teams that we've mentioned already come in and play their game against Denmark, they should be able to beat them. I, I agree. I think one or two wins for them is a good week and go have fun, represent your country, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, then that's what you can ask for. Yeah, yeah. All right, and rounding out the field, Team China, the host, uh, Han Yu and her team, are coming in representing the host nation six and seven back at the world championship in the bubble. That was her first time playing on the international stage. I think Scott, the strength of this team is that they're young. They haven't played a lot of games against teams in this field before Uh, because they're so young. They are, are new to this. I think they're coming in. Hopefully they'll have fun from what we saw of them in the bubble last year. They were just there having a good time playing shots, doing their thing. I don't know if the additional pressure of being at home will be a distraction for them or if the support that they'll get from the minimal crowd that's there will just further help them along as they go through the course of the week. But this is a fun team. It'll be cool to see them. And I don't know if they can have a uh, an Injun Kim type run as what we saw in 2018 where they kind of came out of nowhere a little bit to make the podium, but kind of like Madeline Dupont, don't sleep on them at the start of any game. Yeah, for sure. I, I will sort of compare this team to Eve Muirhead back in 2010 in her first Olympic games when she was a teenager coming in. So sort of the, the young upstart from a, a nation that has had success in curling before. Mm-hmm. And so if they can get off uh, to a good start, you know, try get a feel for the ice. I, I think there'll be a threat to anybody. I, I don't think they're a, a very realistic podium threat this year, but it, it's just the start for this, uh, this team. They're going to be uh, up for big things in the future. I predict could see the start of that this week in Beijing. Hopefully for them, because as I said, they seem like a fun team. So uh, that's it. The 10 teams on the women's side. Scott, what is your podium look like? I, I may have made a bet on Switzerland okay. to win. So should I pick somebody else just so I can like spread out my, my well, there's risk? no money on this. <laughs> no, what there's no risk? money what, on this. What risk? What, what is the risk involved in this pick? Oh, just like my rooting interests. Uh, oh, okay. I, I was lamenting a bit last night that the teams I cheer for never win anything. So. <laughs> At the risk of uh, jinxing the this team, I'm going to pick Eve Muirhead to win. I think uh, yeah. it's her time. Fourth Olympics, flag bearer, FU mode. 
I, yep. I, I think it's all coming together for a Neve Muirhead gold medal. Okay. I'm going to go against the grain a bit and say that she beats Jennifer Jones in the final. That experience uh, coming through for Team Canada. Okay. We can't continue this medal drought. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, heads are going to roll at Curling Canada. And uh, that, that said, uh, give me Anna Hasselberg for the, the bronze. All right, so you're going Great Britain, Canada, Sweden is your podium. I'm going to go Switzerland, Great Britain, and Russia as my podium finishers here on the women's side. So there you have it for the women. Scott, let's move on to the men. Let's do something a little different talking about the men's field. Let's just do word association for each of these teams because – I don't think the men's field is as deep as the women's field. I, I think eight going into the week, I would say eight of those teams winning a medal would not shock me. Two of the teams that the last two, China and Denmark, I would be shocked if they won a medal. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the men's side, the list is shorter of how many teams would shock me or wouldn't shock me. If they were on the podium, so Scott, how many teams, let's start with this. How many teams do you think are in contention for a medal going into the start of the week, leaving out the obvious proviso that 10 are because 10 of them are playing, but who are <laughs> the legitimate, do you think, uh, options for medal contention here? There's for sure. I would say for sure six. Okay. And you could talk me into a seventh. Okay. Who? Which is crazy because i'm not even including the u.s in that interesting so for so me who, it's canada yeah. canada canada great britain sweden and switzerland yeah and then behind them in some order norway and italy okay so that's my six and uh, we saw sergey glukov go nuts for a week last year so i guess yeah. anything's possible but i would put Russia and the U.S. in the next group, uh, followed by uh, China and Denmark. And Denmark. China and Denmark really getting the short shrift here on our preview. <laughs> <laughs> at the bottom of both uh, fields here. Uh, yeah, I, I think the list is shorter, Scott. I, I don't, I'm not convinced that anyone out of those top four can win. Like, okay. And, and, and obviously anything can happen, but Sweden, Great Britain, Canada and Switzerland. And even at that, I might have Switzerland just a hair lower. Yeah. Almost like a clear top three. And then you put Switzerland, the USA, uh, the Russians, um, maybe the Norwegians into that next next bit. But those top three are so good. And when you look at the quad that we've had with Bruce Mowat really emerging for Team Scotland and becoming a fixture now, of course, he wasn't there in 2018. It was Muirhead, Glenn Muirhead, I think is his first name. It was the team. They hadn't gotten out of Scotland, gotten out of uh, the, the British qualifying process. And now there's no doubt that they're the team. Whereas four years ago, they, they didn't qualify, which is kind of remarkable. So they have emerged in this quad. Team Sweden and Nicodine haven't gone anywhere. They've continued to win world championships. And Brad Gushu has emerged as the best men's team in Canada, at least in this quad. And uh, when you look at Briar Championships, uh, certainly that's the case. So it's 
those three teams are the three men's teams of this quad internationally. And I'll be honest that part of me hopes that that's what the podium looks like, because that would be a great representation of what the past four years has been like in men's curling. And that's not to take anything away from the teams that aren't here in Canada, but just internationally, this is, I think how it stacks up. That's totally fair. I guess the pushback is that at this sort of tournament, it's a bit hit or miss at the end. Sure. Right. And when it comes down to stuff like a last stone draw for tiebreakers, something crazy could happen. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, well, the, the, the moral I think is, uh, make your draws. Yeah. It's important. It's not, you know, something to just throw away, but the top three, I think you're right, are sort of in a class by themselves. But the next three that I suggested, I think, wouldn't surprise me if they snuck in and meddled. Okay. All right. Well, let's go through. Let's just do a quick word association for each of the teams then. So let's Let's start with Team Sweden. Nicodine, the defending silver medalist at the Olympic Games. I would say for Nicodine, the word that I would choose for them is the culmination. This week could be the culmination of his career. This is what he has left in his career. If they can win, he puts a bow on it. And for the rest of his career, he's playing with house money. He, he doesn't have to win anything else. He's going to be a world curling hall of famer. No doubt about it. He probably already is one anyway, without this, but this just caps off the career and whatever he does after this is, is just gravy. So for me, it's th- this could be the culmination of, an over, over a decade-long phenomenal career. The, that's a good one, Sean. The word that comes to mind for me uh, with with Sweden is winner. This team, they're winners. They've done it at every level except here at the Olympic Games. So they're winners, and then that's feeding into your word of the culmination. Uh, it's definitely possible. The way Oscar Eriksson played at the mixed doubles, I don't know. Uh, he was not good. <laughs> but but it's a different game you know uh-huh. different uh conditions we'll see all right scott team great britain bruce mowitz uh, and his squad the word that i would have for them is elevates this would uh, a win here would elevate them right now they are arguably the best team in the world or have been the best team in the world over the past year but they don't have the world championship uh, and, and they have been rising over the, the quad and they have had a lot of success and maybe success faster than a lot of people might have guessed. But if they can get a win here and they can get that gold medal, that will elevate them to an entirely different stratosphere and uh, a different place, I think, in the minds of a lot of curling fans. And for Scottish curling, that would be pretty cool, too, to have a, a gold medalist, either if, if Eve does it or if these guys do, it'd be good for Scottish curling, but this could really cap off and elevate them to just a, another stage of their career and set them off. They're still in their twenties into that next stage, already having that gold medal and having those bonafides. Yeah, Sean, uh, you say elevate, I, I would push back and say they're already there, but what I would call this team is hungry. 
This is a, a young team, as you mentioned, this is their first Olympics. They, they're they still very hungry and playing at the top of their game. And so that sort of drive mixed with the skill, the atmosphere that it's going to be, I, I think, uh, yeah, they're poised for a, a podium this week. All right, Team Canada, Brad Gushu making his return and Mark Nichols making their return to the Olympic Games 16 years after winning the gold medal in Torino with uh, a new look front end, of course. Uh, so the debut appearance for Brett Gallant and Jeff Walker uh, making their debuts at the Olympics. Mark Kennedy on the bench as the fifth player for these guys. Scott, the word that I would have for Team Canada uh, this is swan song. This is it for this team, regardless of what happens. Uh, mm. It's pretty obvious that they are done as a foursome, not out of any amicus or, or animus, excuse me, or anything like that, but they're going to move. Brett's going to move. It seems like Jeff already lives in Alberta. Who knows how long, mm-hmm. how much longer Brett or Brad and Mark want to continue playing. So whatever happens here, this is the end of a great run for these guys. And uh, hopefully for them, it's a, a good swan song and, and they come out of it with a medal. Because I, I think for this team, for what they have done, not only for curling in Newfoundland and Labrador, but for curling in Canada, the state of the men's game, I think it would be nice if they could cap off that run with a medal. Yeah, 100%, Sean. Uh, you're going the the Mike Wilbon route of putting two words together and making one when it comes to word association. But uh, the word I'm going to use for this team is steady. Uh, Brad Gushu said it to you uh, that they're always at the top because the skips are the best or the most consistent between he and Mark. They're always near the top of the standings when it comes to shot making. They're just steady. Uh, They don't have those dips that we saw. And we talked about with, you know, Jennifer Jones having 50% game. You don't see Brad Gushu having a 50% game. It just doesn't happen. So they're, to me, like the most steady team mm-hmm. in the field. Yeah, they might not have the highest ceiling, uh, but they also don't have the lowest floor, right? Like they're always, they're, they're just always yeah. consistent. Like, yeah. yeah. All right, let's uh, move on to Switzerland. Peter DeCruz, his squad, of course, Benoit Schwartz throwing the four stones for this team. They came through and beat Yannick Schwaller in the Swiss qualifier, which they had to play in because they did not have a good enough result at the World Championship last year. So they had to play into that, whereas Savannah Terenzoni, they had a good enough result where they did not have to play in a Swiss qualifier. Scott, the question or the word that I would have for this team is why? Why haven't they won the big events consistently? Like what is missing from them that they don't have that world championship, that they haven't had more success at the grand slams, because when you watch them play, they should have more wins and they should have more trophies on their, you know, shelves, but they're, they're struggling to come through and get those wins. And so the, the word I have for them is why, and I, I'm, I'm curious to see how they'll do this week. Yeah, that's fair. The, the word that I came up with was frenetic. They seem, a bit frenetic out on the ice. Uh, Sven Michel is a great addition as a shot maker at third, but I don't know if the communication goes from Peter up to Benoit. I don't think the conduit uh, is there for Sven. So 
they just seem like a little disjointed, a little frenetic when they're playing. When they're playing really well, it, you don't see that. You know, things are pretty smooth. Benoit's making all the shots. But when they get a little out of sorts, that's that's the word that comes to mind. Very fair, I think. Uh, so I have to see how they do it. Again, we think it's that top three and then maybe they're at the, the next level, the top of the next level potentially. But, uh, you know, we'll see. And, and I'm curious to see what the, happens with this team over the summer. And, uh, and and what the state yeah. of uh, men's curling in Switzerland is. Because you do have Yannick Schwaller sitting there. And uh, is there a shakeup maybe emerging of the two teams? Or does someone decide to take a step back? I, I don't know. But certainly, Peter Cruz was fired up uh, when they won the spot. So you know that they're, oh, yeah. they're very excited to be here. Uh, and it should be a lot of fun to see them. All right, let's move on to Sergei Glukov and the team from Parts Unknown. Scott, uh, they had a great run at the bubble at the World Championship. Very solid performance to qualify in for the Olympics. The word that I have for the Russians is scary because they were scary good last year. And it's a team that or or a country that you don't or, or in the past, say, decade, you haven't expected them always to, especially on the men's side, to turn out a strong team. Mm -hmm the success that they've had as a country have been on the women's side. So it was scary to, to see them be that good during the world championship. And if they can turn that type of performance in this week, they're going to upend a lot of teams plans over the course of the week. Yeah, for sure. For sure. My, my word, Sean is mystery about this Mm -hmm. team. They're not only from parts unknown. We don't know where they're from. (laughs) Correct. You don't know which version of this team we're going to get when it comes to uh, when it comes to hitting the ice there later this week. The version that we saw last year at uh, the Olympics was great and obviously can can beat anyone. And, and then this year they have beaten a lot of people, but they haven't had to play a ton of stiff competition. Uh, they haven't played anybody in the top 10 so far this year you know, because they were in the European bees also only one in four against teams in the top 25. So what, when it comes to this team, like, you know, we've seen them be really good, but we've only seen it once. So I don't think we're fully aware of what version of this team we're going to get when they step on the ice on uh, uh, Wednesday. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, totally fair. Like, just who knows yet. Yeah, they, they're a team that could, go what seven and two make the playoffs and be like oh good week for them or they could also go two and seven i'd be like yeah okay Uh, that happens so yeah yeah all right scott let's move on to team italy joel ray turnaz who uh did you know he's beaten russ howard before i wonder why nobody talks about that Uh, yeah weird (laughs) uh of course amos masaner is the third for this team as we record this he is getting set for the gold medal game at the mixed doubles, having not lost a single game with Stefania Constantini. Uh, so he might be coming into this uh, game or into this version of the game looking for a double gold medal. At the very least, he is guaranteed to be looking for a second medal of the 2022 Olympic Games. The word, though, I have for this team, Scott, is ascendant. Italian curling is ascending for those 2026 games in Italy. I think Ryan tweeted this. They're ahead of schedule right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team was good in the bubble. Uh, Amos himself might be the most improved player of this quad uh, internationally. He's been so good 
when we've seen him the last few times out. And Joel Raytern as I don't who knows if he will want to stick around till 2026. You know, your gut would say, yeah, playing the Olympics at home. But the other three guys are are younger. Obviously, mm-hmm. they've benefited from his experience. This is an ascendant team. And whether or not Ray Turnaz himself wants to play in 2026, they are going to be a threat. Maybe they're still too early to really be a, a metal threat here. But this is a freight train that is coming on the men's, women's, and mixed double side in international curling. Yeah, Sean, uh, I wrote giant killers <laughs> question mark could this team be the one who knocks off one of those top three why not right mm-hmm. uh, like you say amos is playing out of his mind right now you got to keep it you know for another almost two weeks that's tough to do but uh why can't they win a uh, bronze medal at the euros uh they they had a bronze medal a couple years ago at the euros i believe too so yeah yeah they can hang with anybody and if they get a a hold of the ice like a good feel for it early get get under to a rhythm why not yeah yeah throw all your assumptions about italian curling at the window folks Uh, this is a new era and uh, when we get to cortina d'impeza in four years constantini's good these guys are good like yeah they they have some building blocks there and they're young too so it's uh it's going to be scary in, in four years Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on, Scott, to the Americans. John Schuster trying to repeat as the Olympic champion. So the word I have for him is replicate, question mark. Can he replicate what he did in 2018? He had the best five-day stretch of his career. And I have no idea if he can replicate that. The, The results in this quad haven't been to the same level as what you would normally expect of an Olympic champion. So I have, I I really don't know what to expect from John Schuster and his team. Chris Plies didn't play the greatest during the mixed doubles. You got Lance Steiner, who's a great lead and Hamilton will certainly keep the chatter up. Uh, You know, we talked about how do you fill the downtime in these games, just sit next to Matt Hamilton. He'll take care of it for you. But uh, I, I don't know. Can, can they replicate it? That's a huge question mark. And I personally have a couple doubts. Yeah, yeah, me too. My my word for them is hangover. Uh, <laughs> will there be a hangover from the last Olympics? Will there be unrealistic expectations on them now from uh, more interested media uh, in the U.S.? Chris Plies joining their team, I think, is an upgrade, mm-hmm. but it's it's going to be tough uh, to knock off those top three. And like you say, I think John Schuster has to go for another walk, maybe earlier in the week this time, get focused, get centered, and see if he can replicate that. Because you're right, that was the best five days of his life, curling-wise. And, you know, sometimes it's just a flash in the pan lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. so it they'll have to try and replicate that it's going to be hard though no question it's going to be very difficult uh, in this field but who knows you know we've seen things happen before he's won a gold medal so can't you can never yeah. take that away from him. he will always be the 2018 olympic gold medalist and hey if he proves us wrong here good for him for sure all right let's move on to norway this team skipped by stefan wallstead Torgerd Nurgard 
is the third for this team. So, Scott, the word that I have for them, it's a hyphenated word, of course, is victory lap. This feels like a nice victory lap for Torgard in what I think will be his last Olympic game. So he can come out, have a good time. Stefan Wallstead's good. And they were certainly underrated going into that world championship in the fall and or, or in the spring, excuse me. But they've come here. They've qualified. Stefan can can win games. But I don't know if they're a serious threat. And I think this is, a, to me, a nice chance for Torgard. Go back to the Olympics. Have a good time. Represent your country. This strikes me as a three, four, maybe five win team. Probably. Yeah, probably. My my word that I came up with was a, a tur- turnover or a changing of the guard sort of of Norwegian yeah. curling. This represents sort of Thomas Olsrud stepping back, Stefan Valsted stepping up and, be- and being the face of Norwegian curling. That said, he's got Torgren Nergard beside him who, you know, has been there so many times. I, did he play with Paltrelson? I think he did. Uh, I, I might be wrong, but the, you know, he's, he's been there a lot. So this is this represents the changing of the guard to me in Norwegian curling. Will it'll set us up for the next four years to see if Norway can continue to be a presence on the world scene, or if they step back into that sort of second or third tier uh, of curling nations. Just to to follow up on that, he was on that gold medal winning team in two thousand and two in Salt Lake City. So uh, twenty years later, been, that's yeah, that's he's been around. Uh, he's been around a while. So. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, change of the guard. I think that's a very well said, Scott. So let's move on to Denmark. A team skipped by Mikkel Kraus here representing the Danes. The word that I have for this team and Mikkel Kraus, Scott, is start. I think this is a starting point for these guys. First Olympics for Mikkel. I believe it's the first one for Mads as well. So playing the third position. So this is a starting point for Danish curling. They've gotten here. I think it's a win, a good win for them to be mm-hmm. here. These guys, they're not early 20s young. They're early 30s young. But that's enough for potentially another cycle or two at some high-level competition. So look ahead to 2026, maybe 2030, if they want to play that long. This is a nice starting point for the men's program on the Danish side with these guys there. And can this springboard them to some success at Euros, Worlds, and then potentially being more of a threat as we get to 2026? Yeah, that's uh, that's well said, Sean. What I sort of thought about was a mixture of gratitude for being there. I, they, I do think they really appreciate the experience. Uh, the reaction they had to getting through in that last chance qualifying event was real, joyful. And I think this will be a good experience for the players themselves, but also for Denmark as, as a curling nation on the men's side, uh, not having the, the sort of depth of experience as they have on the women's side. I think this will be a good starting point. Uh, so I, I like the word that you chose there, start. All right, let's round out the field with the host Chinese side. The team is skipped by Yu Ma. He is making his debut at the Olympic Games. Does have some experience internationally. He has played at the Euros, or not the Euros, excuse me, at the Pacific Asia Curling Championship. Excuse me. Uh, he's 30 years old, but not a lot of experience internationally. He has played at the World Juniors before. According to the Olympic website, he uses a hybrid tuck delivery 
which is kind of interesting. Uh, and I'll be curious to see what the hybrid part of a tuck delivery looks like. <laughs> uh, so cool for him. But it'll, it'll be fun to see this this Chinese team. As with the women's side, we don't know a lot about them, not a ton of international experience. The men's side is a little older, so it's it different from what we're seeing on the women's side where they're sending a, Vendi, sending a very young team in the hopes of building the program. But I would say that this is a reset for the men's program here in China. Uh, they did not participate in the Pacific Asia Curling Championship this year, so therefore they will not be at the World Championship, nor will the women. Uh, none of the teams went to the Pacific Asia Championships. But this feels like a reset on the men's side. Can these guys do well? Can they get some experience? Can they finally be that men's team on representing China that has some level of consistency? Because we saw it with Bing Yu Wang on the women's side winning a world championship. They haven't had that same level of consistency and and quality performances on the men's side out of China. So I would say that this is another reset for the men's program. Yeah, for sure. My word is... Uh unknown we, we have no idea what this team is going to be uh if they're going to be anything if they can win any games uh we just don't know uh like you say it's it's not a mystery in the same way that glukov's team i said mystery like they could be anything this is more right. of a who knows like let's see what they got but uh without that high ceiling that we saw uh, last year from the stateless society. So, <laughs> well, I, I, think, I, I, I just, I, I do want to just point out that Chang Zhu is playing third for this team. He did skip them at the world championships last year. So you do have a little bit of experience there. So it's not like a full unknown. Uh, it's just Ma the skip we haven't seen uh, at this level before. Uh, and that team did go two and 11. So, you do have some returning pieces yeah. from it. But again, that's why it feels like a reset. They're still fiddling around. They, they haven't quite figured out the lineup. They obviously haven't figured out who they want to fully be the skip yet. There's obviously a chance mm-hmm. for Ma to take that position and, and run with it if he can have a good week here. But it's they're, they're shuffling things around still. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, totally fair. All right, so Scott, those are the 10 teams in the field here at the Olympics. No Yap, sadly, and no Yuta kind of a bummer but uh those are the 10 teams who qualified and uh when good teams are not there that means the teams that are there are good so mm-hmm. who's your podium well uh give me nicholas adine to climb the mountain and finally get there i'll have gushu winning the silver and uh mawit winning the bronze all right well scott i had written mine down before you said that and i had the exact same thing nice so, same thing that's fine yeah, I think they're the top three. I think uh, that's what emerges out of this. I think that the men's competition is less interesting and therefore less fun than the women's competition. But, but they're happening maybe, at the same time. So yeah, uh, yeah. and maybe maybe someone will throw a wrench in the plan. I'm sure someone will. Uh, so yeah. we got the same podium. Who Who's your fourth playoff team? Then? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Italy as the okay. upstarts. I think I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Swiss here, and Peter de Cruz gets in there. So I believe they won the bronze in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you have it, 20 teams. Scott, we did it. We did it. Amazing. It only took an hour. There you go. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. 
enjoy the games. If you have not yet, please do subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast. Do likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff helps us grow the show. Other people find out what we got going on here on the channel. If you missed it, you can check out our Scotty's recap. Did a little half hour discussion of all the fun and frivolity from Thunder Bay over the past 10 days. So do check that one out. Later in the week, we'll have a bit of a mixed doubles recap coming at you. So do subscribe so you can get all that stuff. You can also head on over to gamesnotespod.com. All of our past episodes are there. Plus the merch tab with all proceeds going to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation and Food Banks Canada. And we of course match all of those proceeds. And do follow along with everything that we got going on on the show at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook. And if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So, Scott, the Olympics are here. We made it through a quad. Now all that's left is to watch the games. Yeah, it's uh, the, what we lift all those weights for, you know. <laughs> Uh, all that training. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we're going to get together and watch the Super Bowl uh, yeah. on Sunday. So hopefully we've got, you know, a good curling game that we can put on uh, the second screen while that's happening. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I- I've been waking up to watch the mixed doubles and then watching the evening draws or morning draws there, evening for us. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been watching a lot and uh, liking it. Although waking up early is not my strong suit. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, when I thought that Australia wasn't going to play Canada, I unset the alarm and then I missed that game. Because yeah. Yeah. I went to bed I, and they I, weren't allowed to play. I was like, all right, well. I woke up to it and was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I, I saw I the sleep, last. Did uh, I sleep two backwards? What is that? What is happening? Yeah. I was like, how did they, how do they have a score? Did they just yeah. make up numbers? That's weird. <laughs> Is it like a practice game with the coach playing? What is going on? <laughs> so it was very strange, yeah. but uh, a lot of fun to uh, have this. The The curling schedule really does revolve around the Olympics. So it's fun that it's finally here after four years of anticipation. So enjoy the games, everybody. We'll be watching along with you and uh, following along all of the things that are going on. And uh, we'll talk to you all about it very soon. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.